And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck him up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Do not be crazy, Mr. Zach. Pop, pop. <laughs> Magnitude, pop, Magnitude, pop, pop. Ugh, You're like 10 years late to the party on that one. <laughs> I know. I, I quit I quit watching community. Um I got like three or four seasons in and then I had I had my fill, as it were. It's funny, I went on a date with this gal and she spoiled it for me. She told me that Pierce died, but I specifically told her that in season two. I was I was only in season two. And she's like, Oh yeah, it's crazy when Pierce dies. That's like season four. And I was pretty pretty upset with her for that one. Needless to say, the date did not go well after that. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, because he had a falling out with uh, Harmon, right? Dan Harmon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparent, so, apparently. I mean, that, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I, I get that you're upset, but that was like headline news <laughs> when, it, when it happened. <laughs> it's like uh, going to see the Titanic and not knowing that it sinks. It's unsinkable, though, you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever watched those those YouTube videos where it's like, like Titanic in five seconds, and it's no. like uh, it's so funny. It's like, but the ship can't sink, and then it just cuts to it, like the final little bit going bloop, <laughs> and then it plays the my heart go will go on, and it's so funny. Is I it like a, a the, the, the bunny ones? Are they with bunnies? No, it's just oh. it's just a it's just name a movie and then in five seconds. So it's it could be like Rocky in five seconds, but I mean they're more like seventeen seconds, but. You mm. get the idea. It's it's pretty funny. Just check it out. Change your life. I will. Like the Rocky one is just like him going, uh, uh. <laughs> and, then, and then like Adrian's like, yeah, and then uh, uh, then it's just over. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty funny. awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, but this isn't the. The Movies in 5 Seconds podcast, this is more like a Movie in 90 Minutes podcast, because <laughs> we are long-winded fucks, and it takes us a while to get our point across, but uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, speaking of long-winded, what, uh, what are you watching these days, aside from the community? Uh, not much, honestly. I started watching Hard Knocks because the newest season is on HBO. It's very interesting this year. I'm a big, big fan of Hard Knocks. Uh, Liev Schreiber actually narrates it, and he's fantastic. But That's, that takes place at the orphanage that Annie was at. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then Jay Z comes in with the remix. Oh, so, uh, but anyhow, they're they're following the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Chargers this year, and it's just very interesting with COVID having a narrative in uh, in the season. So, right. I'm enjoying that. I also started watching Lovecraft Country. I put it on on HBO. I was very excited about this show. I started reading the book a while ago, but I just could not get into it, really. Mm -hmm. But I'm excited to see where it's going because I absolutely loved it last night. I thought the visuals were amazing. The color was amazing. Uh, it really takes a turn once it gets towards the final quarter of the of the episode. 
and I'm so excited to see what's going to happen for this season. So, yeah, yeah, but that's about it, man. What about you? Good for you, man. Uh, I am also watching Lovecraft Country and uh, it's pretty good. I like the music. I like the vibe. Uh, it's a dirty, scary world, man. And uh, the music's so interesting. Like they have a James Baldwin segment when he's just narrating over as they're driving through. But uh, everything else, yeah, around it's so cool and so interesting. I dig it. The uh, the ch- there's like two pretty scary chase chase scenes, and one they're going the speed limit, <laughs> and yeah. it's just nerve wracking. Yeah. And the other is out in the wilderness, and uh, my heart she was a pounded pretty got dang hard uh, during those few minutes. And uh, my goodness, made my skin crawl. Yeah, I was tapping my foot quite a bit because I was nervous about what was going to happen. Yeah, that's good stuff. Check it out. And then um, did you by chance watch the um, the trailer for the whole season where it shows you like snippets of everything that's going to happen? Yeah, at the end of the episode, I continue yeah. to watch. So HBO always, well, I don't, I don't know if always is the right word, but I feel like it's pretty frequent that on an HBO series, they give you sort of a taste of what to expect for the season. And I told myself I wasn't going to watch it, uh, assuming that they did it. I, I didn't even know if they were going to, but I was like, I'm not going to watch it. And then by the time the episode was over, I was like, oh, I, I got to watch it. <laughs> I got to see what, what else is in store for this crazy show. And uh, just having a few snapshots of of the the uh, the oddities that exist in this world, it sort of reminds me of like Daria with Six Ad World and... And I was like totally freaking out. I had to I had to get a taste for it. So I I took the plunge and I watched it and I did not regret it. No regrets. Yeah, I, I think there's so much potential with this show. And I really want to finish reading the book just to basically catch up and, you know, be one of those people that says, oh, the book was better or they didn't stick to the subject material. <laughs> but I'm very excited to see what's going to happen with uh, all the, the mayhem and wackiness. So I did not read the book either or finish it or start it, but I thought I had remember seeing feedback saying that uh, only really the first episode or parts of the first episode kind of followed the book and then the rest just kind of did its own thing. I don't know how true that is. I didn't, I, I, I have no uh, evidence to back that up. I just remember seeing that on my Twitter feed. I mean, that's about all I read, honestly. So I knew the sheriff scene and everything. But I think the visualization was so much better than when I was reading it, of course. So, yeah, I was pretty, pretty truthful. Um, And then I watched Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. And what else did I watch? I watched Back to School. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but with Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what am I doing here? Oh. It's, it's pretty great. I, uh, I, I enjoy it. And it's a real, a real hoot. But I've never seen it. <laughs> it's pretty great like at the beginning there at this pitch meeting because he's like a billionaire and the this marketing guy is like you know how cabbage patch kids are orphans right well melon patch kids because his name is melon Mm. they're they're abandoned (laughs) so it's like a new marketing ploy that that makes them different from cabbage patch kids and that they're abandoned children instead of orphans (laughs) very nice yeah it's terrible not uh, not really funny, but uh, I found a way to laugh because that's what I do. <laughs> I was laughing and laughing. Oh, geez. What can you do? Are you are you ready to talk about this motion picture show? One of my favorites of all time. Hey, 
Pop, 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 pop. Oh man, Pierce dies. By the way, dude, what the hell? <laughs> you're not, you're not getting a date number two from me, then, Buster. I think it's so funny that you're just. I mean, I hope it was other things that that uh, contributed to the. It's not a love connection versus just the spoiler of a show. <laughs> Yeah, there were it's quite old. a bit more. <laughs> okay. I think it, that was I think that was the chef's kiss though that I was like, okay, ah, okay yeah. Like, we're and we're on. done. Pay for my drink and I'm leaving. <laughs> and take me home. It's the nineteen fifties. Because you picked me up. <laughs> you ruined my show, so I'm gonna need you to buy my drink. And I'm getting one for the road. Uh anywho, so this week we are gonna do Starship Troopers, and I'm very excited about this. Came out in nineteen ninety-seven. Directed by Mr. Paul Verhoeven, which this is actually the second Paul Verhoeven film that we have done. We did Total Recall. Um, Robocop's another fun one. Uh, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, and Hollow Man. Ooh, I don't know if you saw that. that I loved Hollow Man when I yeah. was a kid. Yeah, it was really creepy, but kid. I really liked it. Oh yeah. my God, I was in college when it came out. I oh. said kid for everything, though. What, what year know. did it come out? 2000, I think. 2000? Yeah. Maybe. So I was, Maybe. Th- I was 13. Know. Oh my God, I'm so old. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> anyway, uh, the film was written by Mr. Edward Neumeyer, who is an absolute delight. He also wrote Robocop, FYI. Um, this film is based on the novel by Robert A. Heinlein. Um, and uh, it stars quite an interesting group of characters. We have Casper Van Dien. Denise Richards, Dina Meyer, Jake Busey, Clancy Brown, a living legend, uh, Seth Gilliam, who is um, for all you Walking Dead folk, Father Gabriel. Yeah, it was crazy. Michael Ironside, who's got one of the coolest voices in the entire planet, and then Mister NPH himself, Neil Patrick Harris. Which you know, he's a delight for me. Seeing him on screen, it was like, whoa, it's Doogie Howser, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because that's all I really knew him from. He's at not Barney Stinson at that point. Correct. He's Dugs. He's the Dugs MD. Yeah. He was uh, he he didn't even have the the White Castle fame yet. No, oh, that's true. Yeah. Remember when he brands that prostitute? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Beverly D'Angelo is like the head prostitute. Yeah. She's the brothel she's, owner. She, yeah, she's like the madam. Whew. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> that's a crazy movie. Uh what can he do? <laughs> Critical reception, I will just go on record saying this is the greatest motion picture show of all time. <laughs> um, that, that was on every poster in the theaters. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. J.T.C. Cavender. We don't need to go into any of the, uh, the details because most of the critics in this era were, were blind to satire. And I, I find it remarkable. They were literally blind. Yeah. So, like, for example, Liam Lacey from Globe and Mail. He says, lacking the sophistication of the average comic book, it compensates with panoramic attack sequences reminiscent of the Japanese swarm attacks in American war movies. I find that remarkable. I mean, because even if you were just, like, listening to this, like a radio show, you could pick up on the satire. (laughs) I mean, from the the get-go, you know, when Michael Ironside is talking about how violence is the only... The only method and only way, essentially, that pushed everything out, pushed all the democracy out the window. If you just close your eyes and listen to what he's saying, it's it's pure, uh, pure fascism right there. So, right. No, totally. Violence works. 
for these yeah. for these nice these nice uh, citizens rather. Um, here's 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 a here's a good one. Tim Brayton from Alternate Ending, one of the very best satires of the '90s, if not beyond. Which we'll get into the and beyond uh, a bit later, because I think that this particular movie is one that has aged very very well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Maybe totally. not so much with the space visuals, but I think from from the inception of the book to the translation to the screen to fast forward to 23 years later, I think that there's just a lot of stuff that we just sort of have seen in everyday life, which I find absolutely remarkable, especially when it's labeled as science fiction. And eventually you got to take the the word fiction out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which right. is terrifying. So uh, the life, mo- Justin, it's called life. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so the movie's kind of middle down the road. It's uh, it is certified fresh at a sixty four percent. It's right on the cusp there. Uh, audience score is seventy percent. So um, it has that going for, it, which I can I can respect. I can get behind that. It's not for everyone, just for you know us amazing folk <laughs> that know quality when they see it. <laughs> oh, I couldn't even say that with a straight face. I can recognize the flaws, uh, particularly with like the acting. But I I am I would back this movie any day of the week and I would die on this hill. I absolutely love this movie so much. Had a budget of $100 million. It grossed a whopping $54 million in the United States. And worldwide, you're looking at a mere $121 million. So, soup to nuts, it did not uh, do so well at the end of the day. But... Thanks to the benefit of home box office video and DVD sales and Blu-ray sales and licensing fees for distributing on various platforms like your Netflix and what have you, I think it's uh, doing pretty well. And you're you're right. This one grew with time. People yeah. learn to love it. Absolutely. Of course, for me, it was love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this is a fucking movie. I remember the teaser trailer was just... Uh, Michael Ironside and the dude with the little radio uh, just kind of walking through the canyon and, and he doesn't get a good reception. And then he's like, permission to go to higher ground soldier. And he goes up and then this, he gets taken. And then that was that was a trailer. And it's like Starship Troopers. And then fast forward a year later and then you started getting real trailers. But that first teaser, I was like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what am I getting into? Right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, do you have any interesting trivia for us? Sure. It just appeared on the document, too. So that was great. It was easy. Uh, so to avoid an NC-17 rating, four seconds had to be trimmed from a decapitation during the last battle at the Whiskey Outpost base. However, the four seconds can be seen in the version on the FX network. Did you see that version? No, I've never seen that version. Oh, I want to see more decapitations. That's what <laughs> FX tagline should be. More decapitations. Right. That's really bad. I mean, uh, yeah. There's yeah. all the all the flying guys come down and just start chopping off heads with the guys like on the towers in the whiskey outpost. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine it's just everyone that's up high, minus the two that get burned at the very very end, um, just got their heads chopped off. Sad. Yeah. Director Paul Verhoeven and stars Dina Meyer and Casper Van Dien confirmed that Verhoeven and cinematographer Joost Vacano shot the co-ed shower scene in the nude themselves on a dare from Meyer. So, yeah, apparently the cast said they were uncomfortable with it 
going full nude. So they said if Verhoeven goes nude while filming it, then they would do it. And he did. And then he filmed the rest of the movie nude. And that's why it's so great. Yeah, he's like, what's the big deal? She's like, if it's not a big deal, you do it. He's like, all right. And just (laughs) drop trousers. It's like you prima donna actors. Yeah. And that Yost, Yost Vacano, he um, he grew up in a news colony. So he really was, he was he was right at home. Yeah. Oh, shit. He's been training his, his whole life for that moment. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A miniature Millennium Falcon can be seen on the backside of one of the Starship's bridges. Where was that at? Did you I don't see know. It? I, I saw it in the trivia, but I, I have yet to ever spot the Millennium Falcon. Not that I'm ever really looking hard. Um, if someone were to take a still and circle it for me, that would be amazing. I can't really spy with my little eye a whole lot, of, <laughs> a whole lot of Easter eggs. Yeah. Several references are made to World War II Medal of Honor recipient Roger Wilton Young. During World War II, as a small arms instructor, Sergeant Young was denied the opportunity to deploy with his unit when Japan entered the war. He requested that he be voluntarily demoted to private in order to see combat. His wish was granted. Career Sergeant Zim makes a similar request when Buenos Aires is destroyed. His wish is also granted. Also during World War II, Young gave his life in combat by single-handedly bombarding a Japanese machine gun position with rifle fire and grenades during an ambush, allowing his platoon to escape. While rescuing Carmen from the brain bug, Sugar Watkins gives his life in an almost identical fashion by laying down rifle fire and detonating the nuke so his friends can escape. Escape. The starship that Carmen is assigned is also named the Roger Young. Wow. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. The view that people acquired citizenship and the right to vote through military service reflected the views of Starship Troopers author Robert Heinlein. His views were influenced by his years in military service before World War II and what he saw as the supposed laziness of civilians. Wow. Interesting. This guy. Yeah. So finally, most of the adults in authority positions in the movie are scarred in some way. Ratchek lacks an arm. The biology teacher has scars on her face and is blind. And the recruiting sergeant has lost both his legs. Director Paul Verhoeven included them as a symbol of the belligerent history of the Federation. And then Rico has that giant scar on his face towards the end. Yeah. I don't know what that was from. I can't remember what it was from. I'm sure he had a scar on his leg, too, when he got it's from a lightsaber. You ready for this synopsis that I wrote? Yes. This looks fun. Go for it. Yeah. It's all out global war as a race of extraterrestrial bugs from the planet Klindathu pose a questionable threat to Earth. The United Citizen Federation aggressively recruits sexy high school teens by strongly supporting violence over democracy, <laughs> democracy using neo-Nazi Germany-esque propaganda. Civilians who serve become a citizen and are granted rights that were once thought to be equal, but now limited to citizen status. Johnny Rico is the star athlete and soon to graduate senior that is looking for a higher purpose. Along with his girlfriend, Carmen, and best friend, Carl, the group enlist in the UCF and are placed in different sectors. Despite his parents' plea, Rico attends boot camp for the mobile infantry unit. Rico becomes a squad leader, but a training accident whips him back into shape. See that pun that I just threw in there? Now a promising fleet academy pilot, Carmen joins a ship alongside a former Rico rival, Xander. The two spark a flirty connection as they advance their flying skill set. Carmen tells Rico that the relationship is over, which then leaves the door wide open for high school classmate and Johnny Rico fangirl Dizzy. Johnny tries to leave the UCS, but discovers that his hometown of Buenos Aires has been destroyed by arachnid meteors. Rico is pissed and joins up with the MI unit. The squad are sent to battle in a retaliation mission gone wrong. The soldiers are overwhelmed and Rico nearly dies. 
After he recovers, Rico, Dizzy, and his closest MI chums join Ratchik's Roughnecks, an elite MI squad headed by Rico's former high school teacher. The Roughnecks are sent on a better planned mission with much success. Rico is able to single-handedly destroy a tanker bug, which earns him a promotion to corporal until he dies or they find someone better. Later that night, Johnny and Dizzy confess their love for each other and do the bunk bed shuffle. The troops are then immediately sent to Planet P on a secret mission to check on an abandoned outpost. The Roughnecks discover massacred soldiers and bugs everywhere, and something sucked the brains out of a soldier. The investigation is cut short by an ambush of hundreds of arachnids. Ratchak is killed, and Johnny becomes the new lieutenant. As the bugs close in, Carmen and Xander fly a rescue ship to the outpost to save the troops. Dizzy heroically destroys a tanker bug, but is killed in the process. At Dizzy's funeral, Carl, a high-ranking military intelligence officer, explains to Carmen that Enrico that Planet P had a brain bug and the Roughnecks were not meant to be sent there. The new mission is to go back to P and capture said bug. The new squad of Rico's Roughnecks heads back to Planet P to fight more bugs. Carmen and Xander's cargo ship are shot down and the two must escape a pod to Planet P. The two crash land inside of an arachnid hive and send a distress call to Rico. Johnny and two others go to save Carmen, but not before the brain bug can violently suck out Xander's brains. And that part was disgusting, by the way. Rico threatens the bugs with a nuke and the group are able to escape, blowing up the remaining arachnids. As they arrive outside, they see soldiers cheering for the capture of said brain bug. Carl arrives on scene and uses his psychic ability to inform everyone that it's afraid, a major turning point in the war. The three friends unite and decide that as long as they are all together, things will always work out. A propagandized advertisement shows a new Captain Carmen commanding her own ship, a Lieutenant Colonel Carl conducting science experiments, and a Lieutenant Johnny Rico commanding his Rico's Roughnecks into battle. Come on, you apes. Do you want to live forever? Question mark? Are you asking me? <laughs> uh, actually, the that's very good, by the way. Uh, the only thing is uh, the Roughnecks were sent to, to P because but and he, Carl apologized that it had to be his unit, but they had to make sure that there was a brain bug on yeah, the planet. That's what I, I was. I was confused because I'm like, I think he sent them because I know it was yeah. hush hush, but I think they're the, he, they're yeah, the best they ones for it. the job. Yeah. OK. Yeah. There you go. Figured out now. Goddamn He's Carl. like, I'm sorry I had to be here, you know, but, you know, or as hell, as it were. And then and he's like, you don't approve? Well, too bad. It's a numbers game, and we're in this for the, the species, ladies and gentlemen. It's a numbers game, and they got more. Scientists are always the bad guys in science fiction. Like um, in the Aliens, how Burke, Paul Reiser, he just ruins everything. <laughs> he's a dick. Yeah. He's mad about you. He is. He is mad about me. Although I will admit that he was great in uh, Stranger Things season two when they were doing the surveillance camera and he's like kind of walking through it. That was awesome. Loved it. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. All right. So lots to digest there. It's a a pretty sweet movie. Um, You know, I like it. (laughs) It's a long. It was really long, like a little over two hours, I think. Two hours and nine minutes. Yeah. Surprising. As, As the crow flies. And, um, dude, there were four crows in my front yard yesterday. It's kind of weird. There's a bunch of Brandon Lee's in my front yard, and I was Damn, scared. Too soon. Too soon. I don't think so. That was like <laughs> 25 years 90s. ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Honestly. if I can't if I can't have community spoiled, or if I can have community <laughs> spoiled, you can have the Brandon Lee thing sit for a while. Right, right, right. Oh, jeez. I like the crow. It, uh, it fueled the Hot Topic store, which I call the crow store. A lot of goth stuff. Um, there you go. 
But that's neither here nor there. First question for you, my friend, is how old were you when you saw Starship Troopers? So it came out in 97. So I was probably 13 or 14. But I do remember my brother and I watched it because we were really excited about, just you know, an action movie. As teenagers. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was about 13 or 14. We were really excited about an action movie. We were watching... Like, my dad wasn't in the house the entire time we're watching it. So I was like, this is so cool. But then the shower scene pops up and my dad just happens to walk right by the TV and he is like, what is this shit you're watching? And I was I was really bummed out because I liked it a lot. Plus, I liked the boobs because I was a uh, a preteen. Wait, no, I was a teenager. Well, I mean, so it came out when you were 10, but who knows when you watched it? So it's up to you when you actually saw it. Yeah, I was about. 13 did you have so. hair in funny places on your body i guess no that's i don't i don't think so i don't think so i liked it uh i don't think i loved it as much as i do now but i definitely liked it what about okay. you um yeah so i saw it when i was 17 i saw it the day it came out november 7th 1997 and then i saw it again two days later on november 9th and then i saw it again the following thursday <laughs> Whatever day that was. Um, my dad uh, took me to the dentist when I got my very last filling. So the last filling I ever had in my mouth was in 1997. <laughs> um, and yeah, after it was over, we went and watched the Starship Troopers. You know what's really interesting about those box office numbers now that I think about it? Like you you went three times. And I don't think you were probably the only one that, that saw it multiple times. But uh, this movie definitely is a good example of theater hopping when you would go buy a movie ticket for Mr. Bean, for example, which came out around the same time. And then you would skip. Yeah, you'd skip that movie and go see Starship Troopers. And then you'd skip or you'd go to another movie I mean, after you're that. You're saying you, but I would never in a million years do that. I'm 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 not saying you specifically. I'm saying you guys. The royal we. <laughs> I'm saying I'm you saying these, these guys. <laughs> Yeah, I don't do that. In fact, when I have to see two motion picture shows in one day, and I've done that. I did it with, with um, what were we talking about? One, uh, Big Lebowski and U.S. Marshals. And the other time I've done it was with uh, These Guys Mean Businesses, The Big Hit and Big Suicide hit. Kings. <laughs> yeah, I saw those the same day too. And I did not Suicide? theater hop. Suicide yeah, so Kings. Christopher Walken and Jay Moore oh. and... Um, and and Elton from Clueless, the rolling with the homies. Oh, Jeremy Sisto. All right, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Don't ask me how I know that. I don't know. I've I've seen Clueless a thousand times, and I only know him as Elton. <laughs> anyway, he's in it. He chops yeah. off uh, fingers and such. Spoiler alert. Yeah, on a twenty-two-year-old movie. <laughs> Has your um has your opinion changed at all with uh with subsequent viewings? Uh, so I absolutely adored it the first time I saw it. Um, so I was seventeen. You know, I was the ripe age of Johnny Rico, and uh, you know, a, a future high school graduate. And so this hit me at a very impressionable time in my life. And you know, I've I've had the government class in high school, so a lot of this was was wasn't necessarily new to me but seeing it uh, on screen versus reading about it in a text is definitely different you know you can see propaganda posters and get the idea of things uh in school but when you see actual video it sort of takes shape a little bit easier at least in my 
simple mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a moron, but I definitely was able to pick on it, pick up on it relatively quickly. Like, holy smokes, look at how they're doing this movie. This is incredible. Like, this is literally inspiring young people to go to war. And uh, that's pretty easy to pick up on. Um, but I absolutely loved it. And then I watched it all through college. And as I'm learning new things about the world and just my overall joy for movies and science fiction, um, I definitely like it more and more every time I see it. I mean, this is one of this is easily one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. Right up there with with like Jaws and Pulp Fiction. Uh, there's Starship Troopers. Did you ever read the book? I did not. Never read the book. Um, I was told it was very different than the movie, which I absolutely love the movie. So I equated that to, well, I'm probably not going to like the book. Then. <laughs> so Do they have that uh, audio book read by Casper Van Dien. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll take the Kenny Powers version and uh, it would be great. So, no, I did not read the book. But, you know, I know that they have like powerful, their suits uh, give them like super strength, you know, and uh, there's even another race that's involved. And um, like, I know a small portions of it, but uh, I am not interested in ever reading the book. I have, I have my idea of what Starship Troopers is, and it is Paul Verhoeven's uh, masterpiece that was Adapted for the screen by Mr. Ed Newmeyer, the, the very same man that came up with, I'd buy that for a dollar. So <laughs> I, I have no reason to believe that I would enjoy anything other than this version. I am how you say a narrow-minded fuck when it comes to that sort of thing. <laughs> how about the cheese factor? Is it is it uh, worse? You kind of were more aware of it or, you know, like was acting really bad? Uh, for me, I can accept the acting for what it is. Cause like it's, it, to me, it's like the kids from 90210 went off to war. It's literally a 90210 acted movie. And I'm okay with that. I have no problems whatsoever. In the same vein that Armageddon is a two and a half hour beer commercial. I am totally cool with, <laughs> that's true with 90210 <laughs> acting in, you know, this space battle. It has its place. Yeah, it really does. There's there's a charm that comes with it. I think the absurdities of the violence, the over the top violence, mixed in with the Nana Two and acting, just it's just the perfect recipe for awesomeness. I can't I can't refute that. Well, I mean, Verhoeven was really smart by using it because sex sells, and I mean that was very apparent with with Nana Two One O, Melrose Place, things like that. People watch that stuff because they want to. They're invested in the in the characters and they want to see what's going to happen next. So. It's very interesting that he he went with the sexy approach of the teenagers because everyone wanted to be Johnny Rico. I mean, if you're a fan of the film, you wanted to be Johnny Rico. He's a badass and he's a good looking guy. And he's got that chin, man. Great chin on that Rico kid. <laughs> yeah, he went on to do like Tarzan and then uh, Sleepy Hollow. He was in Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he gets cut in half. He likes to tell a joke. He's, he said it to me twice. That Sleepy, uh, Sleepy Hollow made him half the man he is today. <laughs> so nice to say. CVD. That's what yeah. I call him if I ever he's, met him. He's a cool dude. Uh, first time I got to talk to him, it was like a phone interview. And he had just played Johnny Cage in uh, the Mortal Kombat YouTube series. And uh, the nice person that set up the call told him that I was a super huge fan of Starship Troopers. 
So out of nowhere, during the middle of the interview, he would just interrupt, just like spouting out one-liners from <laughs> from Starship Troopers. He would literally, like, as I'd ask a question, he'd be like, come on, you apes, you want to live forever? <laughs> oh, it was so cool. Kill them, uh, kill them all. Yeah, totally. That's what he was doing. It was so cool. And uh, and he, he let me know after the interview. He's like, yeah, they told me that you were a big Starship Troopers fan. So I wanted to give you the... Hit you with both barrels. So it was awesome. And he was like, you know, on the phone, he was driving to pick up his kids and he's just having this fun conversation with me. It was awesome. So he loves he loves his work. Yeah. Which is great. But are you ready to really just deep dive into this motherfucker? Are you are you excited for this? I think so. I just don't want my house to be so hot anymore. I'm like sweaty. So I'm trying to get my rhythm. But yeah, hell yeah, man. Let's do it. Do you want a popsicle? I wish. I what don't kind of popsicle? <laughs> I can wait while you go get. Nah, I'm good. I like Otter Pops. Sometimes I get a little anxious and I'll just drink it instead of freezing. Me too. I used to do that all the time. Just cut this and it's just just pour it down my throat. No big deal. It's going to the same place. Exactly. The the guy made a million dollars. Right. It's Matt with conclusions on. Jumped to them. Jumped to oh geez what can you do oh you know what really quick before i forget i would absolutely love to do um any one of the riddick movies i really like pitch black and i enjoy uh chronicles of riddick and i hate the third one just riddick but yeah i I liked chronicles a lot okay so i just because that one has a whole lot of world building going on in that one and there's a whole lot just a whole lot to digest and unpack in that movie and so I thought about it last night and I didn't want to forget. So, uh, you know, put that on your calendar. We'll do, we'll either just do Pitch Black or, or Chronicles of Riddick. Either one of those two, I'm fine with. I like in uh, Chronicles when they're like, you keep what you kill. I was like, oh man, yeah. that's what hunters say. But they don't say it too loud because they'll scare the game away. Yeah. <laughs> of course, and I don't really hunt animals. I don't do any kind of hunt. I Easter egg hunt when I was a kid. Yeah. That is, I'm not into it. <laughs> Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Starship Troopers. This is a movie that's loaded with with graphic violence, absurdities, fascism, propaganda, all under the umbrella of satire. But at a certain point, especially now in 2020, this movie has aged very, very well. All the great science fiction has some sort of social commentary showing us where the world is headed, given its current course. And how crazy does the world have to be for a 23-year-old satirical science fiction movie to hit so close to the mark let alone a book that was first published in 1959 what are your thoughts on that how crazy does the world have to be yeah so it's interesting because the best part of science fiction i think is just how they're cautionary tales and we were talking about that earlier how it's not too far off from the truth you look at things like children of men the matrix and minority report groundbreaking films that maybe have shifted the paradigm of how we think And I I don't think it necessarily takes somebody who is clairvoyant. It's just somebody maybe looking at the bigger picture and realizing stuff. I think The Matrix is kind of that anomaly, though, because that was something where original concept. I I mean, they might have the Wachowski sisters might have taken some things from, you know, other readings and other works, but that really opened the minds of, of people and we're seeing now where where machines are taking over our lives uh, or like Terminator, right? Terminator is, would you consider Terminator science fiction or would you call it action? Terminator 2. Sure. So 
I'm, I'm, I'm having a huge conversation tonight on the Geek Legacy podcast about genres. And for me, because uh, that episode will have already aired, I think, before this one does. Um, I, I think that there's a giant sort of hierarchy in how we break down genres. And I say that um, action is one of the main genres. And then science fiction can, it doesn't have to be an action movie. It could like uh, it could be a drama or a horror movie. I think that's like a subgenre to where, like Terminator for me is like Terminator Two. I've argued that I think that's one of the greatest action movies of all time, but it's also science fiction. So I mean, I don't think that all science fiction movies are action, but I think that at the end of the day, Terminator is very much an action movie. The thing with with Terminator Two is. I think the writing was on the wall for that because if you look at uh, technology as as it was advancing, I mean, there's that was in 1992. I still look at things and I think, oh, is my is my Google Mini listening to me? And are, are they going to report something? What's what's going to happen? Right. When is when is Skynet going to happen? How much is too much? And I think James Cameron definitely has a grasp on on evolution. So it's uh, it's very interesting. But yeah, does that kind of answer the question? Sorry. Sure. Sure. Um, it does. So, like, uh, I had taken notes. I saw this ridiculous Twitter thread that started the whole thing where uh, Jeff the Mighty Jerd was commenting on action movies, and he was having a hard time breaking down uh, what is an action movie because there was uh, our other buddies, Ken and Prob, were like, no, that's a fantasy movie. No, that's a science fiction movie. And so I was like, what are they talking about? So then I broke it down into action, drama, comedy, thriller, uh, or documentary. You can also add musical in there. And then from there, it can be broken down further into subgenres like science fiction, fantasy, bio, uh, sports, horror, Western, etc. You could even argue, make the argument that Western is its own category, just in that like drama, comedy, thriller, documentary, whatever, um, which is how a movie can be more than one genre. So like the top ones are generalizations, while the subcategories help it find an audience. Like Cowboys and Aliens is an action movie that brings science fiction and Westerns together. So when someone asked me if The Matrix is an action movie or a science fiction movie, I would say both. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 no. And I, I, I was listening or I was reading the thread yesterday and right. trying Which to Which I didn't contribute I could, to. I was like, yeah, I I'm not, I can't, I can't right now. It was, <laughs> was, it like, was too much. A, yeah, this is a perfect conversation for, for the Geek Legacy podcast. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, while I agree that Conan is a fantasy movie, it is full of action so therefore mm-hmm. it's an action movie in a fantasy subgenre is how i look mm-hmm. at it yeah so i don't know maybe i'm crazy but that's just how i've always pieced it together don't be crazy yeah don't don't be crazy but what can you do now so there's a lot going on in this movie would you say that it's fair to compare the events of 9-11 and the conflicts that immediately followed with the war on terrorism in Afghanistan and Iraq, with the bugs attack on Buenos Aires and the response from the Federation. Totally. I I think so. 9-11 pissed off a ton of people, and rightfully so. Those people, they sought retaliation. They felt like they needed something. I mean, people think that they're patriots. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, mix up patriotism with nationalism. So you had a lot of people out there like America, 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 let's go get after them. And I and I completely agree. And I, I 
am honored by all of the people that served in the military, and I, I thank them for their service. I've never been in the military, so I'm not one to sit here and criticize anybody for it. But I do think that the idea of what those, like the videos, the do you want to know more, they were invoking this hatred against the bugs, and they showed kind of how sexy serving your country could be. That's what a lot of the, the propaganda was from like 9-11. It's, it's hey, Osama, Osama bin Laden's a horrible, horrible person. We need to go get him. We need to have a mission accomplished. Accomplish. Sign up now and let's go kill some, some enemies. And I think that, unfortunately, 9-11 just amplified all of that stuff. Sure. Uh, I saw a lot of parallels with that Buenos Aires attack and that. I mean, we're fighting these bugs who we don't know why we're fighting them. We just know we want to go kick ass and shoot guns and do co-ed showers together. Right. That's what it's all about, right? There you I go. mean, <laughs> so when you you brought up an interesting point about the would you like to know more, this whole uh, computer interface where you're able to explore is basically the internet that we know now with going down the rabbit hole. You know, you go to TMZ and you watch the video clip and then there you can either read a whole article about it or just watch, you know, the 15 second video. And, you know, there's... That's how we receive information now. And going back to 1997, uh, you know, I grew up in a small desert town, like where it's fucking down Fury Road. So like <laughs> computers, computers, and, uh, you know, it was all new to me. And so when I'm watching when I'm watching this whole interface, I'm like, man, the future is pretty freaking cool, man. And then just fast forward a year or two and you all of a sudden while you're looking for your Sandra Bullock fake nudes on Alta Vista, you're able to see what's happening in the world. And I think that that's just crazy that I got a preview of that in this movie. And and now this is how we live our lives. When I look on my phone, you know, I just scroll to the left and um, I see what's trending, what news is happening right now. And I think that that's remarkable that we now have these, this information just right here at our fingertips on our phones. It's, mm -hmm. it's absolutely remarkable, whether it's a phone or um, excuse me, whether it's a fire, it's a war, it's a kidnapping, it's a cute uh, baby, you know, mama seal showing off her, her baby seal or whatever the case may be. Um, mm -hmm. I just, I love that stuff. And I'm just like, okay, crazy. And uh, I mean, I specifically look for like goat videos and pajamas flipping <laughs> around, but I mean, my feed does get uh, poisoned with, the horrible things that are happening in the world. And it's good to know the stuff. It's just, uh, it's crazy how we receive information these days. And ultimately at the end of the day, the only unbiased journalism is box scores. You know, either your team won or they lost. And this was the score. There's no, there's no way of skewing that information. Whereas mm -hmm. you have your Fox news, um, or whatever your CNN, whatever side you want to fight for. I don't really care at this point, but um, those, they are two, they're telling two very different stories <laughs> of the same event. And it's remarkable. And you can, you can look at your Facebook feed to see which family member is siding with which news network. And it will be enough to just tear your eyes out. I'm serious. <laughs> it's crazy. No, I agree. I agree. And that's and that's how we absorb our information. And it's 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 scary. And, um, you know, it's it's irresponsible of a lot of the people that are involved. It's a lot of a lot of billionaires are deciding how you receive your news. And you just have to remember that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, let's see here. Moving on. Um, now, would you draw any sort of uh, parallels to the only good bug is a dead bug to uh, the Muslim American hate crimes post 9-11? Or go back even further to like Japanese Americans or with with obviously like the, the internment camps, the relocation camps, or even obviously the Holocaust. Yeah. And I, I would agree. I think it's this this higher authority, this Hitler-esque authority who's thinking that people are a certain race of people are lesser than than him and him thinking that he is elite. I do definitely see parallels of that because saying the only good bug is a dead bug. You know, what if those bugs are nice? What if they are very artistic right. bugs? What if they're great jazz musicians and you love jazz? I think it's the fear of not knowing that that scares a lot of these people. And I cannot stand hate crimes. I mean, I would garner to say that I hate hate crimes, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just really, really interesting. It reminded me of this Black Mirror episode where they had soldiers who, I think they had these contacts in their eyes, and they were they were killing these kind of zombie-esque people that were like rabid and whatever. One of the soldiers, though, got his contacts or the chip implanted in his head out, and he realized that they weren't zombie people. They were like foreigners, and the military was just making showing them as these zombie creatures to the soldiers so they would feel less bad about killing them. And I thought that was so interesting. And I thought that that definitely mirrored what they were doing with this. I mean, because think of how many bugs there are. When I see a bug, I try not to kill it, especially if it's if I'm outside. Spiders, I try to take out of my house. But sometimes, you know, one dead spider, there's billions of other ones out there. But that's not the right mentality to have. And unfortunately, I think people don't know how to separate that from from human lives, which is is a bummer. So, right. Did you ever watch the series in the flesh? You ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. It was a it was a British show where um, there was a, a zombie outbreak and then a cure was found. However, the zombies still look like zombies. And so they get reintegrated back into into society, but, you know, they look pale and dead and gaunt and gross. Um, And um, I mean, not to the extent of like, you know, a a cheek being ripped off or anything like that. They just, they just look like they haven't seen sun in like the last like 300 years. And, (laughs) and it's really hardcore because it goes back to the whole thing. Like, what does it mean to be human? And they're in a small hick town and, uh, there are hate crimes against these these zombies. They call them rotters, and it's really intense. And you know, this one guy, his wife gets like drug out of her house and murdered in his front yard, kind of thing. It's Jeez. it's it's intense, and it's hard to watch. You know, it's it's a lot of uh, some pretty remarkable themes that tie into like you know tolerance, hate, fear, uh, like homophobia, stuff like that. And uh, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, mm-hmm. whether it is a suppository or not, it is. Uh, it's tough to get inside your your, your body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not gonna lie, it's a bit brutal. And so, it just in that, it reminded me of like you know just this whole like just a bug mentality, and uh, it, it uh, freaks me out a little bit. Do you remember any propaganda when you were a kid? Like just seeing it and and being influenced by it in any. Anyway. Yeah, and of course, I didn't know it was propaganda at the time because I was a wee lad. But uh, things like dare, you know, against drugs. Yeah, I, I understand it. But I think that they were basically saying every single drug is bad. 
I mean, right. hey, man, have you ever smoked weed before? It's pretty cool. Right. So, now, now, um, now you go to 7-Eleven <laughs> and buy, buy your dime bag of, of weed. There you go. So uh, that, uh, I mean, the war on drugs itself is a whole other, th- other thing with Nixon. I mean, that was racially based for them to essentially target black individuals by doing the crack and the cocaine disparity and whatnot. So I saw that kind of stuff, uh, vi- like hip hop music. How people were saying, like, I think it was maybe Nancy Reagan or whatever saying, oh, it's violent, you know, and then same with violent video games. Uh, People saying, oh, this is the reason the kids shot up Columbine was because of Mortal Kombat and other violent video games. And to me, a video game player, I was like, oh, shit, am I supposed to be playing this? Am I going to be evil by, you know, being Johnny Cage and punching some guy in the nuts? Like, what's going to happen? So definitely that Uh, the food pyramid. I think that that was a propaganda if you think about it. Yeah. Eating six servings of bread a day or whatever it is. Sure. Jesus. I mean, all that stuff, you know, they tell us this is what we need to do if we want to be healthy, but that they flipped a script a while ago on that thing. Sure. There's um, there's a documentary called Forks Over Knives and it kind of dives into the pyramid, the food, excuse me, the food pyramid and how the, like the meat and dairy industry uh, thrived um, off of uh, public schools and and selling their product to them with this whole uh, education system and this is the science of these foods and this is what it will do to your body and this is how remarkable it is, this is how amazing it is. And then once scientists are like, I don't know if that's entirely accurate, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you <laughs> yeah. get to see you know, nutrition values on things and, and what stuff really does and um, obviously there's a lot of lobbying going on and there's billions and trillions of dollars at stake. And at the end of the day, the money is doing the talking. So, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's definitely a very sad and scary thing. I think another thing that I remember when I was a kid was just, um, was HIV and AIDS and how, mm-hmm. um, none of us knew what it was. Right. And I was just a kid and, and, you know, there's all this misinformation out there, like, um, you know, don't lick toilet seats or you're going to get AIDS. And <laughs> you're like, OK, probably get a couple of things from licking a toilet seat, but whatever. <laughs> and, you know, sharing needles, uh, that one was true. Right. But then uh, it got the moniker of the gay disease. Right. You know, like the gay plague. And that's what uh, is in. Uh, homes and conversations and it's taboo and no one really understands because uh, the the gay community is really suffering from this disease and so it's literally labeled you know this this horrible thing that only happens to gay people mm-hmm. and it is it is remarkably sad and 100% misinformation and there was just money tossed around to fuel that whole uh fear mongering and it's yeah. it's really sad absolutely i agree gets gets the gets me all revved up just thinking about it um but moving on uh, in, bi- in biology class rue mcclanahan aka blanche Devereaux from the golden girls if you're a fan um has a has a fun teaching moment where she responds to rico comforting what i just think it's funny i, I i've never seen an episode of the golden girls and i don't know i, I never would have picked that up had you not said that she's she's great <laughs> She's yeah. the one that has a new boyfriend every episode. <laughs> she's uh, she's the one to hook up with out of that bunch. And uh, I mean, they're all fun and festive in their own way. But um, I like Blanche's style. 
Uh, <laughs> not going to lie. Uh, anyway, she responds to Rico comforting Carmen with, it's just a bug. And to which she says, just a bug. We humans like to think that we are nature's finest achievement. I'm afraid it just isn't true. The sand beetle, the thing that they're actually dissecting, is superior in many ways. It reproduces in vast numbers, has no ego, has no fear, doesn't know about death. And so the perfect member of a selfless society, to which Carmen retorts with, but humans have created art, mathematics, and interstellar travel. And then Miss Miss Blanche Devereaux responds with, true, but before you let that go to your head, Let's take the example of the arachnid, a highly evolved insect society. By human standards, they are relatively stupid, but their evolution stretches over millions of years, and now they can colonize planets by hurling their spore into space. So, at the end of the day, that's quite remarkable. Mm -hmm. For the survival of the species, the arachnids have life figured out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By, uh, by a long shot. And uh, their priorities are a little bit different than ours. But I mean, when we get to see the news footage of the colonization of planets and then seeing, uh, like I kind of picture like missionaries, you know, or or people that just kind of don't belong out of their element, setting up shop in someone else's backyard. And then we're supposed to feel bad when they get murdered. Like that's totally how I perceive that. You yeah. know, some Bible thumping son of a bitch is like, waving his, his book at the at the arachnids and they're like dude we don't we don't want you. we're not buying your brand <laughs> and then they just fucking murder him and and it's crazy how that works you know we just think that our way is right and i find that remarkable it it absolutely blows me away um so is it fair i ask you this is it fair um you know to to reduce the arachnids or this beetle as just a bug I don't think so. I think that Verhoeven was onto something with that. I think it was, to me, it was on the nose. I think that he was comparing that to like Hitler's thought process about the Jewish. Hitler's ignorance made him think that he was superior and made him think that the Jews were just rats or these people that were were at the lowest of low. He didn't know anything about who they were. Uh, he just had some crazy ideologies and. I have a question for you when she's explaining about the beetle, about how it has no fear, it has no ego. Do you think that she's abdicating for it or is she, is she in awe of it? Uh, because I compare that beetle to like a soldier. If you have a soldier that has no fear of death, who has no ego, you can, and they're a selfless person, you can basically command them to go into war. So do you think that she was advocating that beetle to be like a pro war soldier or is she just as fascinated by science? I think that she has say I think that she's saying that this species is superior to everyone in this room and on our planet because of the way they do things. Interesting. Like the whole idea of having no ego so they're they're not in danger of 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 compromising we'll say a mission if you want to equate it to a soldier. Um, has no fear They're, they can they'll just go and do their day-to-day -day routines without ever worrying about anything and they have no concept of death it's just i'ma just do my thing and when it's over it's over and i won't even know about it so for her it is the the, the perfect member of a selfless society and so i think that goes back to what uh, the author was talking about and how 
having civilians versus citizens and civilians are being lazy. You know, like um, when Ratchek asks um, Rico, you know, what is the moral difference, if any, has to because it's a school, we have to throw in that if any <laughs> between a civilian and a citizen. And Rico says a citizen accepts personal responsibility for the safety and the body politic, defending it with his life. A citizen does not, uh, and which he is cited as, um, you know, the exact words of the textbook. But do you understand it? Do you believe it? And he says, I don't know. Of course not. I doubt anyone would recognize civic virtue if it reached up and bit you on the ass. So, I mean, it's it's for him, it's earned. And that trivia brought up an interesting point that all the adults have seen some type of horror in their life. Uh, Ratchek has the missing arm. Um, Miss Miss Devereaux, she has, uh, her face looks like it was burned. Mm-hmm. She has this burn mark. She's blind. And then the recruiting guy that's, that's stamping, you know, he's He's missing an arm and two legs. So, I mean, to them, they know they've given everything short of their life to defend the the world that we know it. So I do think it's remarkable that there's a sense of entitlement that comes with being a, a citizen. Yeah. And the leaders in this film, they're very much about competition between the races. It's it's Darwinism. It's survival of the fittest. They want to instill in these kids like it's us versus them mentality. And they'll they'll pass that on to generation to generation. I mean, even, even Ratchek, when he gives he gives the come on, you apes, do you want to live forever? Um, that is is even if you get pulled out of it where like when the reporter, he says uh, some say the bugs were provoked by the intrusion of humans into their natural habitat, that a live and let live policy is preferable to war with the bugs. Rico counters with, let me tell you something. I'm from Buenos Aires and I say, kill them all. He is obviously upset. <laughs> so this goes kind of back to the 9-11 thing too. He's obviously upset and he is like, fuck the bugs. I'm going to kill them all. I don't care who they, if they have families, if they have little baby bugs, why we're invading them. So he's in a certain sense, I think Rico is, is becoming that beetle that, uh, that Rue is explaining and talking about. Does that kind of make sense? Sure. I think it does. I mean, did you ever see the movie The Kingdom, directed by Peter Berg? I love that movie. So that's, you know when ooh, the, that's a good example. Yeah, when when the explosion goes off, and then the first thing is, you know, can we get boots on the ground and go kill these these guys? Mm-hmm. And they get there, and uh, they start to form a relationship with the the Saudis that they are working with, and it immediately becomes an eye opening experience for them that sure there are bad people, but there's also good people. Totally, uh, which is fascinating. Just got to take a step back when when they kill Abu Hamza at the end, you know, he whispers to his nephew or son or whatever. And he, he tells him it, it mirrors what Jamie Foxx says to Jennifer Garner, where she's like, we're going to kill. He says, we're going to kill them all. We're going to get revenge or whatever. Right. So you're seeing that on both sides of it. And yep. you, you could see a little baby arachnid or a daddy arachnid getting killed and telling his son, like, go kill them all. Go shoot yeah. with your spores. Exactly. Yes, they deserve to die out to burn in hell. Yeah, totally. Uh, and that's crazy how that works. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, are are we humans simply doomed because of our ignorance and or hubris? Are we are we just so like, oh, my God, we're the best, you know, rock and roll. I'm going to fucking kill them all. Is that is that, that going to work for us? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Kenny fucking powers. 
Yeah, you know, I hate to say it, but yeah, I think that we are doomed by our ignorance. Look at what COVID's done with people like anti-maskers, you know, complaining about having to wear a piece of cloth over their face to go get some barbecue ribs or something. It, it just blows my mind how pedantic people can be about stuff. So I, I, I just think our ignorance is, is going to be going to be our ultimate downfall not to get too grim it's 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 just weird because i think this movie is incredibly ambiguous and can easily be seen as anti-fascist with how it's on the nose and uh, how satirical it is and with with our ignorance things like the second half of this movie for me it turned into a generic war film like it lost it, it was losing some of the satirical point but all you know goddamn i was so pumped at the end of the uh the freaking scene with uh, when they're on planet p the outpost you know yeah and they're they're sitting there they're in formation and they're they're killing all the bugs and the music getting pumped up and i'm just like oh my god yes like i want to be part of the roughnecks so bad and maybe that was just verhoven proving his point though that my ignorance of what's going on i just see some action and i see some sexy sexy teens killing some bugs dude i want to do that that'd be awesome Right. And the so, music yeah. was cool and it's like bum, so cool. Bum, bum, oh bum, my god. I was yeah. I was like yes, like I want to get out there and do that. I mean, how many first person shooter video games have we played? I just I I love Two. that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I love that kind of stuff. Uh would I ever go murder innocent bugs or people? No. <laughs> but it it's just it's so funny how how it it grabs us like that. And I think we can easily be brainwashed. I think I think Verhoeven kind of knows that, too. And he wanted to right. put us in, in the shoes of those propaganda films and of uh, the fascists sure. and stuff. I think I think if you were to go to uh, from 19, we'll say 40s to now, this movie is relevant. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> you gosh. Know, right. Uh, you know, World War Two, the fall of the Iron Curtain, Korean War, you know, <laughs> Vietnam War. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of of things that influenced how we do stuff and uh whether it be in music movies television uh the books that you read it's Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's all influential and um it's it's pretty crazy Mm -hmm. i mean some of the some of the the craziest soulful music came during like war times you know like i can crank on anything from the sixties and just be mesmerized because these right. people are in their lowest lows. They're, they're tripping on something. They're vulnerable and they're letting their artistic side, you know, shine. And there's a lot, of, I think, I think punk is a lot like that too. Uh, punk is a lot of fuck the man kind of music. And while it is loud and it might get under your parents' skin, the message is there, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think people, People forget that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. How about that? So let's let's just go back to the beginning of this movie really quick. You know, the film opens up with some terrible shit going down on Clendathu or Big K. It's a bug planet. It's an ugly planet. And then just bam, super mega <laughs> violence. You got blood, guts, and gore in your teeth. And, uh, you know, my mind was like, what the fuck is happening? And, uh, you know, we dial it back several notches and go back to the beginning where it all started one year earlier. You know, you're left with just horror on camera. You know, like the, the poor camera crew and reporter just got just decimated. And and we're left with a dying Rico 
And you're like, I thought this motherfucker was the star of the movie. And he just <laughs> dies in the first five seconds. And then, you know, does a strong opening like this work for you? Or would you rather build up to it? Um, I mean, I think it can work. I like I like that they kind of subverted it a bit where, yeah, you know, you, you see the, the main character of the of the movie and then you're like, holy shit, he's going to die. But nope, he's alive. It, it just doesn't really matter. And it was kind of all for show. I liked it because, I mean, that was the transitional point when they went to uh, Ratchet's Roughnecks right. after after that. I mean, that's really when I think the movie stops being political and satirical and it just becomes a all out general war film. Um, right. So and and I wasn't upset with the amount of action. I was upset with the lack of satire and message. When I was a kid, I, I loved it, you know, especially the shower scenes, like I was saying. But as an adult, I love it even more. And I don't I wish there was more satire. OK, sure. I mean, I, I get that, that there's two very different uh, tones in this movie. But it's all kind of it's weird because while serious things are happening, it's all very playful. Um, you know, like uh, for people unfamiliar with Paul Verhoeven's previous work, like RoboCop, which began with a newsreel, same thing, uh, showing you, you know, uh, the future of of heart transplants. And then all of a sudden it cuts to like this police shootout and violence and dead <laughs> bodies like, fuck me, man, yeah. this is on the news. Um, you know, Total Recall, same thing. We're on we're on Mars and it's beautiful. And then the crack the 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 visor and then you got bug eyes coming out of faces and it's awful and terrifying. Um, you know, he has a way of setting the tone right from the get go. He'll stick a knife in you and twist it pretty goddamn hard. And then you have to sit there and marinate in your own sick for like two hours <laughs> while he's he's putting the pieces together. And, you know, can you think of any other filmmakers with a with a similar approach? Sure. Uh, I think John Carpenter definitely has some of that. We've seen it. David Cronenberg, for sure. He's just awesome on the gross out factor. Uh, Duncan Jones. Yeah, I, he you is know. gross. Cronenberg. What's yeah. the movie with uh, History of Violence? That one, like the beginning when they're just sitting in the car and it's like, what are they doing? And it's like five minutes. And they're just like sitting in the car looking at each other. And then, then there's just this horrific murder that happened at the the Not Bates Motel. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cronenberg is a uh, he's he's quite the guy. Duncan Jones for Moon. I think that uh, he did a lot of really cool stuff with that. And I could I could see him doing something along those lines. And then Ari Aster, who Hereditary and Midsummer, And he gives you those kind of shock factor moments right from the get go for well, at least Midsummer, uh, Hereditary. He, it's not until a while, but it's quite a shocking scene. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with, with yeah. the drive and the, and yes. the pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's uh, that was weird. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a lot. And it, I, I mean, my theater just couldn't talk during that. You could hear a pin drop. Seriously, we were all just like, holy shit. And we had to sit in that for the entire film. And you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, and I, yeah, I think I think the 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 real jaw dropper was when you get to see the aftermath in the road. That was so uh, gross. <laughs> I, I, I could have lived my entire life without seeing that like three seconds. And uh, whew. talk about I gross, mean, that's though. the kind of I mean, that that's the kind of thing where like like if you just took a bite out of like your sandwich, you'd be like, ah, I'm just not 
not hungry anymore. <laughs> you know, there are there are certain movies that I, I have to pause if I'm eating because I'm like, I can't I can't look at this shit. And uh, honestly, Starship Troopers is one of them. The brain bug. I just cannot stand when he pulls his like, oh, little tentacle out and then he's sucking in and all the snot is everywhere. It is so disgusting <laughs> and it is so freaking gross. And Xander's getting like skinnier and skinnier yeah. and like hollowed out. Yeah, that's that's pretty gnarly. And it's making I, uh, a sound yeah, for the, the brains. And then you see it going through. It's so gross. Uh, was, <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that's a bit much. It's, uh, that doesn't bother me. I I think like, like some body horror can really just gross me out. Like when a ma- like mouth wounds, like, I don't know if you ever saw that movie, um, that mirror movie with Kiefer Sutherland and Amy Smart, where she like rips her jaw off. No. It's in like it tears like the side of her mouth. So like mouth wounds, I don't like eye wounds. I don't like mm-hmm. um, any any sort of face damage. I'm not really not really into that. <laughs> <laughs> like my like my battle damage to be like like in the chest where you hit it once and then it, it's damaged a little bit. Then you hit again. That's really damaged. And then you hit it again. It goes back to normal. Like on your action <laughs> I don't I don't need no face off damage that, that grosses me out. Not a, not a fan, but what can he do? So Starship Troopers has a lot of scenes that bring multiple main characters together from the classroom to boot camp and the military missions. And really, with the exception of Carmen, we're with Rico, Ace, and Diz for the bulk of the movie. Uh, I get to mix in uh, Ratchek and Watkins and all of Rico's cadet graduates. And you know, we're really given the opportunity to grieve for these characters because we had so many fun scenes with them. Were there any deaths that, that really resonated with you? Or were you just along for the ride? Uh, I think it was interesting how you got to know the squad, but then right. people like Kitten get killed, and then it becomes real at that point. Where Which one was she? Was she the one that ran and fell down the hole? Kitten was the guy. He was uh, one of the four that got the tattoos. He was the shorter guy who, was, who wanted to be the oh, writer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When he gets killed, it, it's when it starts getting real, and you're like, holy shit, right? You you shouldn't be rooting. And this is the brilliance of, of Verhoeven is for all accounts, the ideology behind the UCF is, um, yeah, the UCF, they want to eradicate these bugs for no reason, basically. And these poor soldiers are brainwashed into thinking that and us well, as viewers, well, us as viewers should be on the side of the bugs because these bugs didn't do shit, man. They got invaded. But well, that's not true. They they attacked. um Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires, yeah. Yeah, but they were provoked, man. We, we got we got attacked by the Japanese at Pearl Harbor, and we responded right away, too. So that goes back to the 9-11 thing like we were talking about. It's, it's but I mean, the, it wasn't it wasn't just... I mean, they used the incident as fuel, but I mean, it wasn't yeah, like... Totally. It wasn't in the minds of every human being on that planet that this wasn't unprovoked. It was an attack, and then they said, fine if we have to do something or it's going to happen again, that was, that was the mentality is how mm-hmm. I interpreted that. Sure. And I just think that, but it's driven behind that ideology and, and it's, it's interesting because Verhoeven for all accounts, you know, let's say, let's say all the cards are on the table and we were to understand the humans as, as not being the superior race. They're kind of the bad guys, but he adds these dramatic elements and makes you care about the characters and gives them love triangles so we are ultimately watching to see what happens next and rooting for him. And so people like Kitten, it sucks because he's in the movie for quite a while and then he just gets killed. 
but the saddest one for me was Dizzy because I just love Dizzy so much. You know, she was always a bridesmaid, never a bride until she finally got Mr. Johnny Rico. Plus, I thought she was beautiful. I thought she was funny. Uh, she was really buff, too. It was interesting. But yeah, yeah. She, she was. A, That's she the was, kind of girl awesome. I make squad leader. There you go. Yeah, and she was, she was the quarter, quarterback of their fun arena football league, which is all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Like when they do the, the stiff arm and bodies just go flying. Yeah. Good. Like, what? does no one know how to tackle? And everyone's on so. steroids? <laughs> yeah. And you just score really, really fast. Did you see how fast Xander was running, though? Like, you look, you think that Caster Van Dien's running quick, but then Xander's just, he's going like 18 more miles an hour faster than him. <laughs> You're like, holy shit, that guy's got like a jetpack on or something. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Xander's Football. a douche. Yeah. Flip six, three hole on one. Uh, Xander <laughs> is so a douche. Stupid. When That's he does code, like man. The, That's like blue 80. I know. When he does the flip in, in the in the laser gun fight, which would be awesome, by the way. But he does that weird like flip thing, and then he's just dual wielding after that and just killing these fools like like no other. He's like, welcome to football's day. Welcome to football's <laughs> welcome to laser tag's day. <laughs> yeah, that's great. The CTF. I love that. Capture the flag. It's great. So cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get squad leader. And I loved everything with uh, with Sergeant Zim. I thought he was such a badass as the yeah. drill sergeant. It was a perfect role for him. And um, I totally you know, believed it. I think like uh, watching uh, Full Metal Jacket, sort of the same vein where uh, you just totally get the drill sergeant and he makes their life miserable. But at the end of the day, he's shaping them. He's molding them into Marines or in this case, you know, mobile infantry to protect them and to save them. And um, at the end of the day, their safety is his number one responsibility, which I think is pretty cool. And I absolutely love Clancy Brown. I think that he's just a true journeyman across all the mediums. You know, he's he's done cartoons, video games, TV shows, movies. Shawshank Redemption is what I remember him from the most. But then also yeah. I played <laughs> he's a not, creeper in that one. <laughs> yeah. I played not too long ago. It was probably like six months ago. I played Detroit Become Human and he's in that. And I just I love Clancy Brown. I think he's so awesome. If you look at his IMDb credits, he has over like 200 credits. It's it's crazy. Yeah, he's great. The, guy, the he, guy is awesome. I think Highlander was the first thing that I ever saw him in. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid. Uh, but I mean, I, I think it was like maybe three years ago that I found out that he was Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob. I was like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no idea. And then when I see it and I, he was like at Comic-Con or something and he's like doing the voice. And I was like, no way, man. That's fucking awesome. And then I just, I loved him even more. I was like, that's incredible. I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. I mean, he's been doing that character for over 20 years. And I had no clue. He just was always Captain Hadley or the Kurgan from Highlander. And I'm just like, holy shit, man. That's incredible. The more you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Man, that's, that's fucking awesome. Now, another thing that's important for me in this movie is... Uh, are the other spaceships like I am a sucker for fleets when it comes to uh, science fiction. And at the end of the day, there aren't a lot of movies that show an entire uh, fleet or armada of of ships. And, um, you know, with the exception of like A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, uh, Revenge of the Sith and, and probably Rogue One, we don't get a lot of space battles in movies with a ton of ships. There might be like one or two kind of dogfighting type things, but. I remember when when all the big ships, the cruiser ships are flying and dropping off the 
the drop ships to go down to Clendathu. Um, I thought that was so goddamn cool that this whole fleet has just assembled and is dropping these guys off. And while we didn't get to see the bugs piloting any kind of spaceships or anything like that, they were shooting the that blue plasma stuff into space and it was destroying and wrecking all the, the main ships, the, the Roger Young type ships. And I thought that was so cool. I, I love the way that they looked. I thought that was so badass. That would have been really cool if we could see the Arachnids pilot ships their giant scissor mouths and everything. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah. Or even if they were like in, fight. like in, um, uh, what do you call it? The last Star Trek movie. Um, I don't know what it was called, but the one with like Idris Elba and they have like these swarms that go oh. and they look like drones and they're just kind of attacking all the ships. That'd be pretty badass too. Sweet. What the hell was the last Star Trek movie called? Uh, Beyond something. Uh, Star Trek Beyond? No, it was like, I don't know. I, I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't? I remember. No. I think I was, I was supposed to, but I didn't see it. From? It was like Beyond something. Yeah, it's just Star Trek Beyond. That's all it is? Yeah. Oh. Well, They're beyond the far reaches of space. The more you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. so there's this cool, like, they, they look like insects, just kind of like a like a swarm of bees. Hmm. And uh, they just come and they attack, and it looks really fucking cool. Yeah. But, I mean... Obviously, that didn't happen in this movie, but that would have been pretty slight. But I mean, I'm a sucker for spaceships. Uh, I think Ender's Game had a Mm -hmm. bit of a spaceship battle, as it were. Uh, Last Starfighter. But I mean, those two movies are 30 years apart. (laughs) So you're just like, all right, whatever. So with the exception of Star War, uh, you got got some some bug action with Starship Troopers. But um, you weren't really into the Starships, were you? No, you know, it was interesting because Denise Richards is such a bad actor. I I'm sorry. She's really bad. And she was awful in the James Bond movie where she played a nuclear scientist. I thought that was awful. But basically, the graphics sucked for me. I I wasn't sold. Even I remember as a kid, I was like, that looks pretty shitty. It just looked like a really crappy PC game. Um, it, It took me out of it. I I couldn't stand. So there's, you know, the part when her and Amy Smart are running to the whoever like gets first yeah, gets to pilot. Yeah. So there's a look on her face when she's flying and she has this weird smile. Like it's like your dad telling you, Hey, you need to smile for this picture. And I cannot stand it. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I know there's this, yeah, yeah. I just, for some reason I can't stand it. And she really takes me away from it. Plus I think Xander is such a douche. So I wasn't, I wasn't really sold on, on those. I, I mean, maybe if they would have done it differently, like I'm saying, we got some flying arachnids. That'd have been cool. But yeah, I, I I wanted to get back to Rico's Roughnecks. Sure, and so I think the movie does a pretty good line, or, or the movie does a really good job of drawing that line between fleet and mobile infantry. And fleet has sort of this pretentious outlook, like they're better than everyone else, mm-hmm. and the movie calls them out on that multiple times. So I think Xander is just sort of playing that part very very yeah. well of being a douche. Uh, the whole fleet and infantry don't mix. Three horns never play with long necks. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is how it goes. Now, yeah. we all know where I rank Starship Troopers. <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. It's won all the Academy Awards. It's won all the Razzie Awards. It's won the Golden Globes, the ESPYs, the Tonys. It's won it all. It's, it's, it's swept the Tonys. <laughs> it's got it all. And... um where where does Starship Troopers rank on your list of films, action, sci-fi, or otherwise? 
it really wasn't on my list for the longest time, but I think as I appreciated Fillmore, I feel like I said it a lot as I appreciated Fillmore. And as I talked with you more, uh, with each subsequent viewing that I've had of it, I definitely think it's top 10 for me in terms of action films. It has to be, you could even probably say top 10 for sci-fi too. I love films. And this is very apparent with like total recall that get you thinking and questioning what's going on. Like the ambiguity of total recall is so brilliant to me because is Quaid in a dream or is he, you know, like, did he go through recall or is this all really happening? So I love how that happens. And I love to think with my movies, the, the stand at the outpost outpost on planet P was the best scene in the whole movie. And I freaking loved every minute of it. And I wanted to be a gunner or I wanted to be something fighting those arachnids because it was so epic. And I just thought it was such a great scene. And we were talking about the music earlier that that will always pump me up when I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> it's cra- it's I like crazy. when Radchek like wipes his mouth and then turns or he yeah. turns and he, and he sees just an endless swarm of arachnids mm-hmm. of all types uh, all shapes and sizes of the bugs. And he just kind of wipes his mouth like, well, all right. <laughs> let's do this. Uh, you know, he's, yeah. he is not afraid of, of death. And yeah. um, that's just, that's just pretty great. For all intents and purposes, this movie didn't really have any business being this smart. And I, I think it's definitely climbed up the rankings throughout the years by critics and by fans. That's why it's it's gotten so popular. I mean, it was on a suggested movie on Netflix or it was like at one point it was like a hot movie on Netflix or whatever. Whatever their alg- <laughs> algorithm Mike just tells use. me to watch The Ranch. That's the only thing Netflix ever <laughs> recommends to me. It's I think like, I remember you talking about that. It's like, you're like check it out. You like Police Academy too? You'll love fucking the ranch. You, <laughs> you like, like the Road Matrix? House? You're gonna want to see the ranch. There you Holy go. shit! Yeah, yeah. Like, Dirty Dancing. Hello, <laughs> the ranch. Well, if this were if this podcast were two hours and we could just sit and discuss all the symbolism and all the visuals that Verhoeven put in this film, I, I think we could totally do it because it is it is incredible. And I think Casper Van Dien is awesome in this. He's just built for this role where he's just the right amount of cheese. He's got that movie star look when he has that scar on his face and he's talking to his new Rico's recruits. And he's like, I only have one rule. Rico's roughnecks. Sorry. I'm sorry. Rico's roughneck recruits. What does he say when he's like, I only have one rule. If you don't fight or whatever, I'll yeah, kill you. I only something. have one rule. Everyone fights. No one quits. Yeah. So cool. And I love that. Uh, he's just over dramatic, but it's just the right amount of cheese, man. If you don't uh, do your job, I'll kill you myself. I really actually want to see a sequel with like an old man Rico, uh, grizzled kind of like Ratchek, and see see what happens. But I would love a, a follow up to this. I know they made some sequels, but I think that they were straight. Yeah, to video. so he's not in two. He is in three, and then they had an animated movie celebrating the twentieth anniversary of the Starship Troopers, and. Um, uh, he is a grizzled vet at that point. Cool. So yeah, check it out. Books. Check them out. Books. When you said uh, uh, symbolism, I immediately thought of Boondock Saints, where he's like, "What's the symbology there?" <laughs> 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 uh, and then I thought of the town when he's supposed to read when when they got arrested and they're supposed to read the the script of what the robber supposedly said, and the guy goes off script. And he's like, "What are you doing?" He's like. I'm trying to make it more authenticious. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
jeez. The Town. I love that movie. Love that movie. Casper Van Dien would be good in The Town. He's good in everything. <laughs> Stevie D. <laughs> he, uh, fine young man. Uptown all the way. Yeah. Um, that is that is all I have. This is, again, the greatest movie of all time. Right there with Encino Man, Jaws, <laughs> Karate Kid, and, um, you know. Empire Records. Planes, Empire Records. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You know, the good shit. I do love planes, trains, and automobiles. They're remaking it. They're made of helium, so they're light. <laughs> so they're really light. Yeah, Will Smith is going to be in it. I know, I heard. I, I can't. I, I watched Uncle Buck the other day, and I hadn't seen that in a long time. Um, love that movie. You know, I do too. I don't think it's Candy's best, but uh, I really miss John Candy. I think he was he was such an awesome actor. and I, I was very, very sad of his passing. But The Outer Door. Oh, the outer door, because there's <laughs> nothing on this door. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I always call Rizzo a silly heart because of, uh, because of that vice principal, who's been an educator for, whatever, 30 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, she was rude. She was yeah. really rude. Here's a quarter. Go downtown and have a rat and all that thing off your face. <laughs> oh, jeez. That was gross. Uncle Buck. I saw that at the drive-in. What Just else did you see? Uh, I don't remember what else played with it. Um, that was a long time ago. That's like what 88, 89. I have a question for you. Can you think of any video game that would mirror this film or resembles this film? Like something similar? Because I I was thinking about a video game I used to play that was an FPS, and you had to kill bugs. And I always thought it was like Starship Troopers, but can you think of anything? Uh no. Maybe like Turok, but that's that's dinosaurs. I know. Dinosaur DNA. The bugs, the, the arachnids also reminded me of the Tremors bugs in Tremors 2 when they're running I around. I only ever saw the first Tremor movie. And, Ooh, I uh, like Tremors 2. I saw it in San Francisco. Uh, Kevin Bacon's not in the second one, but Fred Willard's still in it. He's great. Yeah. Fred Willard. Or not Fred Willard, sorry. Um, that looks like a fast bug. <laughs> <laughs> he was in an episode of Community. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but that's all I have. Uh, did you do you want to take us out, or do you want me to take us out? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you for hanging in there with us. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with this movie because it is a fantastic film. Uh, Super Mega A number one. It is the best movie ever. How many copies do you own, Justin? Uh, you know, I I have it on the the regular ray. I have it on the Blue Rage, and I watched it on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I also watch it on Netflix, but I own it on DVD. So, yeah. But uh, anyways, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Um, remember to follow us on Twitter, where you can have awesome conversations about what makes an action film an action film, and then you can. Uh, make our phones explode with all sorts of notifications by people retweeting it. So, uh, yeah, love it. But you can follow us at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zachdale60. Uh, share your thoughts with us. You know, we can discuss them on the show. We did a show last week with, about, with Tarantino's top tens, and we used uh, some of our friends' lists. It was great. You know, but please be sure to also check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. They talk about them video games. They're probably going to find the video game that I'm thinking of with all the bugs. So anyways, just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.